So thank you for tuning in to TGIFJ. Thank God I follow Jesus with your host, Mike and C. Joanne Martinez, pastor of Soaring Diamonds. We would like to encourage you, inspire you and challenge you to deepen your walk with Christ and anchor your faith in the rock of our salvation, the hope of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Last week, we began with obedience. This week, we will continue with obedience. Obedience Obedience is the key, one of the keys to our walk with the Lord, being able to follow what he says. I mean, they were followers of the way. We know we spoke about it so many times, the word Christian that came on later on, but they were followers of the way, followers of Christ, the Messiah. Those, they knew them as those people followed Jesus. And how do you follow Jesus? You obey what he says. That's how you become a follower of somebody by obeying what they say. Not just being like, I want to do, I want to be a part of your clique, but I actually don't want no parts of your clique. Like being in a gang. But not upholding to any of the rules, the standards, the, you're just upholding nothing, but you're saying, yeah, I'm a part of that. And it's like, uh, no, you're not a part of that. You're only fooling yourself. That's pretty good. That's so, a really good way to open. So oh, basically, let, let me let me see if I understood what you were saying. Yeah, please. A person that doesn't walk as a believer is probably not a believer. I'm, I'm going to have to go along those lines. Okay. If you're not walking as a believer, if you're not living in obedience to what he has commanded, then you are a Christian by name, but not you're not living that life. You're not really about that life, so. You ain't about that life. At all. Wow, that was something. Oh, so last week we talked about obedience. And something that I said last week that I'm going to reiterate is that the word obedience kind of reminds me of the word love. I know that you hate that sound. <laughs> Sorry, guys. If, if my throat starts getting funny. I'm going to take my pill back. Just let me know. I'll just mute your mic for a second. (laughs) The word obedience is kind of like the word love. I was talking to Pastor Dave yesterday. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, when you talk about love in the English language, it's so basic. You love your dog. You love to fly. You love to travel. You love your spouse. You love your kids. Love is love. Yeah. But in the Greek language, as we know, there's so many... How can I say there's different words for love? The way you love your children, the way you love your friend, the way you love your spouse, the way you love God, they're all different words, you know, eros and agape and storge and, and phileo. Phileo. But I realized that when I started thinking about let's work on or let's talk about obedience, it was the same thing, bro. And I thought that, you know, we're just going to jump right into this and yes, we're going to do this. Let's just kill this. Psych. And it's just like we wanted to talk about the overall arching theme that when God speaks, we need to live according to what he is saying. And no matter where we draw the words from, it still falls in alignment with that. However, there's more things that he's trying to say within the obey me. This is why you obey me. This is when I'm establishing obedience. There's there's more information that we can gather from studying obedience more than just, yeah, I'm just going to do what you're saying. 
There's more understanding <clears throat> to be understood. I went back to obey in the Greek from last week just for clarity. So last week we went into the word obey from the Greek hippakau. Forget it. I ain't even going to try. Yeah. But it's the Greek number 5219, and it's to hear under as a subordinate. For example, to listen attentively by implication, to heed or confirm to or a command or authority, to hearken, to be obedient, to obey. This was uh, last week, and I believe one of the scriptures that we used was Philippians 2.12. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions, when with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That was one of the scriptures that we use. And that word obedient, obedient there, or obedience or to obey, it's from the definition of actually, I believe what we usually think of when we hear the word obey, you know, to be subordinate, to just obey or to listen attentively and to to conform to a command by someone in authority. I think we'll text you. Okay, so give me a second there. You might as well have just... Oh, that's good. That would have been something good to put on the... Comments. Yeah, because love is not just love. A lot of times people say love is love, but love is not just love. And I, I, I just want to encourage like a quick sidebar if you have a comment, if you have a question, please go ahead and share it. I'm hoping that somebody from our team will let us know if there are any questions. Taina, you can even feel free to use my phone if you want so that you can keep up with me. Um, thank you for your patience, guys. Tell somebody to help you find it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody to help you. But moving forward, we want to go off of a different Greek word for the word obey. And to be honest, it kind of like, it, it really opened up my mind because I never looked at the word obey in that depth. When I used to look at obey, I just thought obey. Yeah. Like, Do you it. tell your kids something, you obey what I told you. That's it. But when I looked it up, and of course, you know, my scripture, John 14, 15, it says in the Greek, the word is tereo, and it's number 5083, and it says a watch to guard from loss or injury, injury by keeping the eye upon, which is properly to prevent something from escaping. So you have to just, you know, get a a clear understanding of this, which implies a fortress or full military, lines of apparatus, a note, a prophecy, figuratively to fulfill a command, by in implication to detain, to withhold, to keep, to hold fast to. And you see the difference? Obedience is you say it, I do it. Yeah. But when you look at obey in the sense of tereo, to keep, is something a little bit different. It's something you hold fast to. It's almost as, it's an action word. You know, to keep something is to be watchful, to 
be mindful to, to be hold, attentive. Yeah, to hold on to it, to make sure that that thing doesn't get away from you. Like you have to have your your focus on it almost. And then when you look at the root word of it is teoreo, is to be a spectator, to look at or to behold. But then it says to view attentively, to survey, to view mentally, to consider, to see. And then it says to discern, to ascertain, or to find out by seeing. So it's a little bit different. When you hear the definition of obey and obey slash to keep, it's a little bit different. Although at the end of the day, it's still something that we need to follow. You can even say it's something that we have to obey. The, The definitions are different. They're definitively different. So when you hear those definitions... In comparison to what we spoke about last week, what comes to mind? When we speak about this one? Yes, this derail. To me, it seems like instead of just doing something, it's showing how important how and how precious what he's saying for you to do is. So it's not like you're just, in football, it's just, I told you, go up and go left. That's what you do. I don't need you to put much thought into what you're doing. What I need you to do is go straight and go left. Right. But this, what he's saying, when you observe it first, before you even try to do it, observe what you're going to do. Be attentive. Be mindful about what you're going to do, what I'm telling you to do. In other words, really consider what you're about to, what's about to take place. Excellent. Not just, don't just mindlessly follow. It's like a lot of people think Christians mindlessly follow something that's in the Bible, but the Lord is actually saying, study it, know it, take it to heart and then go and do it. Because then, because when he speaks about certain things, it's like, I'm raising my children to follow Christ. And Christ says, they will hit, they will hate you on account of me. So in essence, what I'm setting my children up for at some point, somebody's going to hate them, hate, hate hate them. And I'm, and I'm well aware, aware of it. And being well aware of that, I'm saying this is still the best role to take. So it's not like I'm just saying, yeah, follow Jesus because he loves you. Period. That's it. Like there's nothing else to think about. No, it's like actually consider what you're, what you're about to get into. And it's, it's a responsibility, right? When we look at this word here to obey in John 14, 15, it's to keep. You, it's something that you're mindful of, and you you express like in football. You your quarterback tells you what to do. You simply do what you're told to do. You follow what I'm saying? In football, a, a command is given by the quarterback. By the quarterback or the right? coach, yeah. And you simply do it. You do it. You just you get your job done. Just like your kids, you say this is what you do. And the kid just like, okay, and you just go. Yeah, take out the trash. Right? Boom. You, Boom. Just, okay. just get it done. Right? But to keep, to obey in this, in this other term, which is also to keep, is different. Is, is, is being mindful. And I think that's where the difference is. It's not just blindly, blindly following, as you said. And, and it's true. A lot of times you hear people say, you know, being a Christian, that's just for weak people. Yeah. Because their understanding is that obedience is you just submit to authority. 
But what people don't understand is that being followers of Christ, where we have a responsibility. Yep. We have to study to show ourselves approved. And we have a choice to make. We're not robots. And the, the best thing about being a follower of Christ is that you choose if you're going to serve him. You choose how you're going to serve him. Yeah. And it's, it requires a level of maturity. It reminds me of the scripture that says, I, I can't remember where, where it is right now, but it says in the things of the Lord, we're to be men. And that requires maturity. Now we're not requ- we're not required to be these little, you know, puppets. We're required to be men. You need to learn. You need to come to a conclusion. Then you need to choose to take this road. Yeah. Why are you taking this road? What is your purpose of taking this road? And a lot of times, no, I think all the time, a person that has not surrendered their life to Christ, they think that this is just like for a bunch of little puppets. And this is not like that. No. Not to walk this walk effectively, successfully, confidently. It takes, it takes men and women of God to grow and to mature and to make um, conscious decisions. To boldly come before the throne of God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So I think this is going to be a really good conversation because I think it's an understanding that gets lost many times. When I was looking at the words obey, when I was looking at John 14, I started to draw conclusions and seen, began to see alignments with Exodus 19 and 20. When the Lord gave Moses the tablets. That to me, there was clear clear way of establishing a connection there. And then when you begin to go all the way to the bottom, we know John 14, 15, he's saying first in the beginning of John, he's comfort in John 14, he's comforting them. He's saying, do not be troubled. You believe God also believe in me. Or have you seen the father? You have you seen me? You have also seen the father. He's saying, I am the way, the truth and the life that no one else can come to the father except through me. That's it. And then he's like, why won't you show show yourself to the world? And he's just like, if you believe in me and if you keep my commands, that's how I know that you are a part of me. Of these commands have been revealed to you. Then you're in a place to be able to keep them. In other words, if they're, if they have not been revealed to you, so you have Moses, he goes up to the top of the mountain and he grabs the tablets. He gets the tablets from the Lord who writes the, who establishes the covenant himself. The Lord establishes the covenant with the house of Israel. That's the only person who can establish that covenant is the Lord. And then when Jesus comes, he's like, there's a new covenant that I'm going to establish with you. And the only person who can establish that covenant is me. I am the only person. He said, so I obey the father and I bring him glory. You obey me and you will bring glory to the father using my name. And then the Holy Spirit is going to bring glory to the father by revealing to you guys what I tell him. So he, he shows the clear steps of how the glory, how glory goes to the father in heaven. Jesus is like, you reveal the glory. I'm going to reveal the father and it's going to bring him glory you're going to obey the father in my name. It's going to bring him glory. And the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you what I'm saying, which is going to also bring, bring the glory. father glory. So this is all about bringing glory to the father. 
and then in Exodus 19. So, so let, let's just think, why do we even have obedience? Why, why obey the Lord? And if you go to Exodus 19, he says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on wings, on eagle's wings, and brought you to myself. So this is what a covenant does. I'm going to rescue you and bring you to me. And then when I bring you to me, I'm going to form a, a promise, an agreement, a partnership. I'm going to make a legal contract between me and you. And it's going to establish my promise and my love toward you. And then he says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So he's saying that is who you're going to become if you abide by this covenant that we established. And it's, and it's interesting because when you spend time in the word, you see how what is said in the old covenant or in the old Testament is revealed, explained, fulfilled in the new Testament, because some of the things that you're reading here in the book of Exodus, we actually see them come to pass in the new Testament. And this is why it's imperative that we embrace both covenants because one is not without the other. Right. They're equally important. You know, I remember even when I was young in the things of the Lord, I used to say, well, the Old Testament, like, you don't really have to think about that. But when you read the Old Testament and then you come over to the New Testament, it starts like coming together. Yeah. And that's really, really important to understand. And, and I'm just praying that, you know, as you're going through these items or through these verses or through, through this conversation that, you know, the viewer is taking that notes so that they can compare and I would even suggest, like, open up both books and look at them side by side. So right now we're looking at, we're mostly coming from John 14 and Exodus 19 and 20, where right. you'll see the covenant and the covenant. You'll see the obey what I, he's saying to them. He's saying to the, the house of Israel, obey what I'm commanding you and obey the covenant that I'm establishing with you because I have drawn you, I have brought you to me. I have brought you to me. I have given you, I have clothed you in righteousness. I'm bringing you to me. Now obey what I'm promising you. Obey the covenant that I'm giving to you that you may be able to receive what I am promising you. So in Acts, 9, Acts 13, 39, and it says, through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you cannot be free through the law of Moses. And then he says, and then Jesus also says, do you do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets? I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. In other words, I come to complete. And we know that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So he's so right now in Exodus 19, he's establishing a covenant with the house of Israel. Right. And in John 14, he's establishing a covenant with those who believe in him. So how do we know that? Because in John 14, when he says, if you love me, you will obey me. What he, when he's saying that there, what he's saying is you will observe the commands that I give you. You will behold, you will be attentive to these commands. Right. And then, but then you go to the bottom of John 14 and he says, I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he, but he comes 
so that the so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. And in in overlook, it just looks like God is Jesus is saying, "I'm obeying the Father, and then you are obeying me." This is what he, it looks like. This is what he's revealing in the scripture. But what he's actually saying is that word, the the understanding of I I do what the Father what the Father's telling me to do. In actuality, what he's saying is, I'm establishing this new, I'm the author of this new covenant. Uh, just as the, the tablet. The author of the fulfillment of this covenant. I'm the author of the fulfillment. That's even better. Of, the, of, this, of this new covenant. Right. I'm establishing this covenant. I'm fulfilling this covenant. So I establish and you follow. Just as the Moses came from God to just as the, the tablets came from, from God, God to, to Moses, Moses, and then Moses brought it to the people for them to observe and to follow all of the, th- all of the laws that were on those tablets. Now, the, now, Jesus is coming and saying, I'm, I'm the new covenant now. There, was, there were things that you cannot receive through the law of Moses, but in me, you can receive them. And this is what he's promising us. We're not making it. We, we see it in Acts 13, 39. He says, through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you cannot be freed from through the law of Moses. In other words, even if I kept the law of Moses perfectly, just like the young boy who said, teacher, I fulfill all the laws. What should I do? And he says, well, go and sell your possessions." In other words, you do not complete everything. You in yourself cannot complete everything. And so what does God do? God said the law of Moses was a shadow of what was to come, but it was not going to bring you complete freedom, although it was perfect. Now I'm going to bring my son and my son is going to establish a new covenant. One that will say, I will write my laws on your heart and you will have to go to no one, but come to me. And this is going to happen because I'm going to put my spirit in you. And this is how God fulfills the covenant with each person by putting his spirit within each person that receives the the new law, the new covenant of God. And we see this when Paul and Peter realize they're like, the Gentiles have received the same spirit. That's how we know they can serve the same God that we serve because God, the spirit that lives in us, it also came to abide in them. Same one. So now this is how we know that the law is being fulfilled within us. This is how we know that we are abiding within Christ because the spirit comes and rests within us, makes his home within us. I want to I want to go back. I want to John 14, 30 and 31, which you're using to as a reference. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, I don't have much more time to talk to you again. This is John 14, 30 and 31. He says, I don't have much more time to talk to you. Because the ruler of this world approaches, he has no power over me. But he says this, but I will do. In other words, I will obey Mm -hmm. what the father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. Come, let's be going. In another version, he says, I will do exactly what my father has commanded me. And yet in another version, he says, what he commands, I do. That word right there, I do. Yeah. That it it, re- it references obedience yep. again, or it it references doing 
what God commands, look at what the definition is to that. To make, to produce, to construct. Jesus saying, I make, I produce, I construct. But there was one definition that really stood out to me that I don't even know if you knew this was the definition, but you said this. It says, I'm the author of yep. a thing. Yep. I carry it out. I execute it. I promise. I produce it. I constitute or appoint anything. I ordain it. I declare it. And that's my and that's my point. So who wrote? We have the tablets. My, my, my. And it's God's law. And who wrote the law? God actually took his finger and etched the law. In other words, this is established by me, not by, it may be coming through Moses, but it's by me. Look at just real quick. We call it the law of Moses, but it's God's law. Right, it's right. God's law that came through Moses. So it says, first Corinthians nine, nine, it says, for it is written in the law of Moses. You shall not muzzle in the ox while he is rushing. Right. But then it says, God is not concerned about the oxen. So you have the law of Moses, but then he says, God is in writing this. God is not concerned about the oxen. So what is he saying? It may have come through this, but God is actually the one establishing the law. He has written the law. He started up the law. He's the author of the law. And then we have Jesus who comes and says, obey, observe what I'm commanding you. Because just as the law came through Moses, but it act, in actuality is God's finger that wrote out the law. I am the, the new stone tablet. I am the one who's etching out the new law. That, and, the, and, and you know where I'm going to etch it? I'm going to etch it onto your heart instead right. of those stone tablets. And the thing is that we get so stuck on the thing that we forget the giver of the thing. Exactly. And that's where we get lost a lot of times. We were so concerned with what we're seeing that we're missing that is just the shadow of what was to come. And a lot of times, this is like, a lot of times we say, yeah, I obey the Lord. But what does that mean? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's more. Another thing that we were talking about, even, you know, in service this morning, how According to the law, let's say, do not murder. That's the first one that comes to mind, right? This is a shadow of what's to come. So the Lord said, God said, do not murder. But then when it's fulfilled, do not murder. And what is murder? What, what does it actually mean? The spirit, it says, do not even hate your brother. Because that is murder. So a lot of times, you know, we say, oh, I'm adhering to these 10 rules. Right. But that was just a shadow. That's all what it was. What is the actual fulfillment? And the shadow does not bring the fullness of it. But then Jesus comes and he becomes the fulfillment of it. So in becoming the fulfillment of it, we, be, we are able to receive the full freedom that the law was established to bring. The law came to, bring a, to make us free. Jesus came, God came and rescued them out of the Egyptian slavery. And he says, remember, I made you free. I carried you out like on wings of eagles. And then I made you free. And now Jesus is saying, now, they, now you're bound in your heart. And although my law can fix this, it can't fix this in your doing because you are imperfect. So I will do it in my perfection 
and complete everything that the law has already established. That way you can receive this full freedom. And now instead of the, the tablets being an, an outside thing to you, it's going to be within you. So your fulfillment, the, all the fulfillment happens when I come and reside within you because I'm the completion of it. And this takes us back to a scripture that we, well, I, this is my scripture. It's Christ is the visible image of the, of invisible, the invisible God, God right? So in the Old Testament, because their flesh and God is spirit, they could never have a communication with God one-on-one. And people are always like, yeah, well, Moses seen God face to face, but he had a glory that was fading. Moses had a glory that was fading, but the one that came after was even greater, which is the glory that we received. Absolutely. So because God is spirit, and we are flesh. There's always there was always going to be like a disconnect. Yes. So God always has a plan. So Jesus comes to become the visible, visible image, touchable, attainable being. You know, we yep. can see him. Visible God. So because of that, that's why what was to come was greater. Because now we actually have contact, contact with him personally. Before we needed a Moses or we needed a priest. Yeah. But now we have access. So now to obey him is to, it's like Jesus said, if you see me, you have seen the father. So now because of his spirit, we get to see the father. Yeah. Through the spirit of Jesus, which is. Exactly. You know, any way you put it, any any way you put it. Now we have access to God himself. And I think that a lot of times people just don't get this. Like, this is why it's so important to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, because being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is having that that direct connection with him. And it's so it's so empowering because, you know, another thing that we need to realize is that without the manifestation of what God said, you know, this is a shadow. Yeah. What I'm telling you is a shadow, but the manifestation of Jesus, it's saying now I can actually be obedient to his commands Yeah. because it is he that does it through me. It's like Jesus said, Jesus himself said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. It's the same thing that Jesus is telling us through the spirit of God. We're only doing what we're seeing in the spirit. We're only saying what we're hearing in the spirit. Same thing. And it's just so empowering that God doesn't require something of us that he can show us it done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's really, it's really powerful when you hear, if you love me, you will keep or you will obey my commandments. Now I look at it in a whole different light. Right. Because we're seeing that this command, this, this command is revealing the new covenant. Yes. So he's like, this is the covenant I'm establishing with you. And then it goes back to what, well, why, why will we, why will we want to enter into this covenant? And he's saying, because I'm going to make you my treasured possession. You'll be, you'll belong to me. You'll be my special possession. You belong to me just as the house of Israel 
throughout all the nations in the world, the house of Israel was the only nation that belonged to God, where he will make establishments for the entire world to be able to receive through the house of Israel. Now he's saying the same thing about us. The reason we obey what Jesus has commanded, has commanded, it's not an option. Just as the Ten Commandments, they were not an option. And still, they're not an option today. It's our duty to obey the Ten Commandments. But he's, he's just taking them up a step further. He's just taking, up, taking them up a notch. So Jesus makes it clear that I am this new covenant. I, I'm revealing this new covenant to you. So you're going you're gonna to obey me just as I have obeyed the Father. And, as, and then this gives us access to our Father. Not in ob- obeying doesn't give us access to our father. The fact that he came and established a new covenant with us gives us access to the father. And gives us the ability to be obedient. Yeah, because what did he tell, what did he tell Pharaoh? He said, let my people go that they may worship the Lord their God. And so what, the, and what does he say here? And looking in hindsight, you look at that, let them go that they may be able to worship the Lord your God. And now he's saying... Look that I saved you and pulled you out of Egypt and put you on my back and rescued you and brought you back to myself. So that. So, so he's not saying, I, I, he's saying, I took you out of slavery and brought you to myself. I clothed you in righteousness. This is what he says to us now. I, I pulled you from the grips of hell and I clothed you in righteousness. Now the covenant makes you holy. Now, this is what the covenant, this is what the law does. The law comes to make us holy because the righteousness of God leads to holiness and being a slave to righteousness leads to holiness and living a righteous life leads to holiness. So what God, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, what I'm doing with you is I'm pulling you to me and I'm going to consecrate you unto myself. Now be holy for I am holy. Holiness is not just produced because you are right, because you're made righteous and you're brought into the kingdom of heaven. Holiness is produced because you're living a righteous life within the kingdom of heaven. That's and that's a difference. And a lot of times we don't understand that is that we think we're made. We're just perfect. No, we're perfect in Christ. So we have to remain in him that he can bring us to holiness, that we can live a life of holiness. So the new covenant that he's establishing with us is revealing to us that this is how we become holy. He has made us righteous. He has justified us. He has made us right in his eyes. There's nothing that we could have done to just do that. Because it's just Jesus, because of him. Just because Jesus. So now the blood establishes a new covenant. And it says, now this is how you make yourself holy. This is how you consecrate yourself to me. Obey what I'm commanding you. Love me with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love me with everything that you have. Obey everything that I'm telling you, and this will set you apart. Because I'm already revealing to you that you are mine. I've pulled you out of darkness. Now, and why am I doing it? I made a covenant with you, and that you will reveal me to the world. Take this says in Hebrews 10, 12. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's the only way. By keeping our eyes on him. Because we know that already that he didn't come to abolish the law. We know that he came to fulfill it. 
or to complete it. And because he came to complete or fulfill the Lord, the Lord, now we're able to keep our eyes on him. Yeah. Because now through his spirit, we're able to be perfected. Not outside of him, but it's in obedience to the commands or to the commandments. It says the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It is Jesus. Initiates and perfects. There's no other way. Outside of Jesus, this can't happen. We cannot obey his commands outside of himself. Because like I said earlier, one of the definitions is that he's the one that produces. He's the one that made it. He's the one that constructed it. He's the one that ordained it. There's no way that anything that pertains to him is going to be fulfilled outside of him. Right. So it's really important that we think to the word and see what it says. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. He was going to get the glory. He was going to get the honor. He was going to get all the praise. Disregarding its shame. So he didn't concentrate on what was going to what was going to happen to him in the moment, but what was to come. And that's how God is. It's so amazing how he is. It's like everything about him is a setup. He's taken us from step to step, yep. from glory to glory, you could say, because we were lost. And then God sends the son to fulfill this covenant that we may be able to obey it so that then we can, we're able to keep our eyes on him. And then it says, now he is seated in the place of honor before God's throne. Now we're walking in authority because he said it at the right, right hand on and the we're Father. In him. And we are in him. Yep. So a lot of times we just, you know, we just take scriptures like a grain of salt. Oh, there's so many of them. But no, we really need to examine the scriptures and see what the word says, because the mysteries of the word of God, they're for us. Right. But you ain't going to find what you're not looking they're for. They're for us to uncover. You know what I'm saying? So it's really, really empowerful, empowering. Um, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which by which he, we must be saved. And this is why we adhere to what he commands. That's it. And, and this takes me to a thought that we have been talking about. You obey... Because it's in your nature to do so. Yep. Now. You're not obeying so that you could be saved. But because you are saved, you, you obey. obey. And people think that you have to do this so you could get there. No. Jesus already did all that can be done to be made right before him. Right. Just because Jesus is the son of God and he came to do what he came to do. Just because of that, you you are just before him. And that and that's exactly what he was saying in Exodus. You yourselves have been you you, you yourselves have seen what I did to do, did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Then he says, Now, now I've already saved you, I've already carried you, and I've already brought you to myself. Now, if you obey and fully keep my covenant. My now, goodness. if you obey, and that, and that's, and I always want to draw that line, draw that comparison, that and that that distinction. That I am not saying you obey for salvation. That's not what I'm saying because he's 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 saying it here. I've already brought you to myself. 
I've already clothed you in righteousness. I've already justified you. I've already made you whole. I've already saved you. I've already sealed you. I've already healed you. I've already delivered you. I'm, I've already done that. This is what I have done. Now, if you obey my obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. And this is why we, this is why we obey the Lord. This is why we adhere to his covenant. This is why we, what he's saying, we behold it. We look unto it. We put it in the forefront of our sight, just as we put Jesus at the forefront of our sight, because he is the author and the perfect of our faith. So if we keep our eyes glared on him, not turning to the right, not turning to the left, then he can, and he says fully, then we become his treasured possession. Behold, consider, be a spectator. A spectator doesn't take his eyes off the game. And I think that it's really important to come to that place of understanding that there is nothing, nothing that we could have done. Nothing at all. And I think, you know, I'm comfortable to say that people in the body still think that in order for us to be with Jesus, there's some things that we have to do. Right. And it's, it's the opposite. Because, or just because of who he is, now we get to keep his command. It's a privilege. We get to obey. And it is him in us that draws us to him. Because like it says in Exodus, he brought you to himself. He brought you to himself. So it is him in you that gives you a desire to seek after the things that please him. I really wish I could say that again. It is just because of Jesus that he came to us and he rescued us and he saved us and he made us right with him and he clothed us with righteousness. It is because of his spirit that rests within us that now he creates, he causes. It's like a reaction. He was the cause and the reaction is that because of him, we have a desire to obey. You see the difference? Yes. It it's, not, it's not something that I'm trying to do. Oh man, this is such a headache. Right. This is just so much. You haven't gotten it. If you're still struggling to want to obey, you're missing it. Yeah, I will tell you to re-examine what he has done because it's in view of the cross. It's yes. in view of his mercy. It's in, it's in view of what he has done that it puts a desire in our hearts to want to seek after him. It's in just, view of the sacrifice. Just, just like he's saying, you've seen what I have done to Egypt. Look at, look at what I have done there to rescue you. You can look at it in the way of, I destroyed them on behalf of you. I went through all that trouble on behalf of you. I've done this all to them. And I, just to carry you out, just to uphold my promise to Abraham. Like I've done this. Now, look at that. I, I don't want to look, I don't want to just breeze past what he's saying. He's saying, look at what I've done to Egypt in view of what I've done to them and carrying you out and bringing you back to myself. There was nothing, you, you didn't even have time to worship me. 
You didn't even have time to worship me. You didn't have time to turn your face to me. You forgot about my promises. You thought I would never rescue you. It's been 400 years. But he's saying, remember the promise that I made to your forefathers. Look at what I have done to Egypt. Look at what I have pulled you from. Look at the cross. Look at what Jesus has done. Look at the blood that he shed. Look at how he was whipped. Look how he was perfect. And he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Look at he was look look how he fed the 5000 but then they turn and act for the murderer and the thief. Look at what Jesus has done and then at the end of it say forgive them for they know not what they do. And then you can add to it where am I in that? Right so and and in viewing that if you don't have the desire to obey the commands that Jesus has said that's why he's saying, if you love me, like if, you're going to, and you're going to realize what I'm doing. And then once you realize what I have done is going to, is going to only make you love me. And if it's not making you love me, it's because your heart is hard. And wh what do we do with hard hearts? We go to the Lord, we present it to him. And, it, and is his arm too short to save? Is his, is his ear too dull to hear? The Lord is always listening out to those who have received salvation. All we have to do is come to him and say, Lord, the desire, I'm not feeling like that desire is there. Can you put your, a clean heart within me? Can you restore me? Can you reveal to me what you have done on the cross? Because what we're saying to you here is that your ability to obey him comes out of really your desire to allow the Holy Spirit to move you to obey him. It says, if, if, if denotes uncertainty, if you love me, he ain't even going to determine that for you. If you love me, this is what you're going to do. That whole concept of cause and effect. If you love me. And we have to come to that place like, Really, really, where we actually examine ourselves, where we really become introspective. Because, you know, realistically speaking, honestly speaking, the word calls us to examine ourselves. 100%. And if we have, if we're, because, you know, you speak to some people sometimes and it's like a job. It's like a job. And you know how that scripture that says to him who has been shown Great mm -hmm. mercy. Loves much. So how, what condition do you really believe you were in before he came and rescued you? And that's the thing about Egypt. They knew the condition they were in. It was not hard to see their condition because it was a physical thing. They actually understood. A lot of times we, we don't receive the grace of the Lord because we don't, we really don't think we're that messed up sometimes. Yeah, we don't really see. Well, and, and this might take us in a little bit different direction, but a lot of times when we, look ourselves when we view ourselves right through the eyes of eternity and what what i mean by that is salvation what jesus does for me I, i've spoken to so many people that always view themselves not in in light of what he did and how separated we are from him but how separated i am horizontally not vertically well they did that they did that. I'm not as bad as this. I'm not as bad as that. But 
horizontally didn't die for you. This this happened vertically. He was perfect. You follow what I'm saying? So we we really need to grow in the in that in that aspect, I think. And I think that we've all fallen there at some point, especially when we're not walking in obedience. And I think a lot of times if we are saved and we're struggling with obedience, we have to go back to the feet of Jesus and ask him, Lord, reveal to me what my true condition is. Because our condition in reality never changed. Yeah. The only change that occurred was that we got covered in the blood. And now when the father looks from above, he's not looking at me. All he's seen is the blood that his son shed. His treasured possession. That's it. And we become who we become in view of the son. Yep. And if we were to get an understanding of that, our whole perception would change. There's nothing that I could do that could ever make me worthy. There's no good that I ever could do that can make me right. It's only because of the blood that his son shed. Yep. But I think a lot of times we get, we kind of like get things all confused. Yes, he loves us with an eternal love. And we, yeah, we do understand that even before we were here, he planned to save us. Yep. But again, it was what he did it was what he did. It was what the father did because the father himself found a way to come in flesh to die for us so that we don't have to spend eternity without him. It had nothing to do with us. And I, I know I get a little bit, I, I get a little bit passionate when it comes to that because it wasn't us. Right. Why do we get so cocky? Why do we get so confident? Like we did something. Oh, well, now, you know, I minister the word. I want people for the Lord. I know my scriptures. Go sit down somewhere and get delivered. Because if the blood was ever to be cleaned off of us, we will be grass. And he's so good. Yep. He, he really is so good. Thank God for your mercy. Thank God for the sacrifice you do for us. Oh, my God. Gracias. Thank you. We can't pay with nothing. You're absolutely right. There's we, nothing that we can do. We have nothing to offer. Nothing. Nothing to offer. We have nothing. We were slaves. We were tucked away. We were hidden in unrighteousness. We were broken. And because of our sin, he turned his face from us. And you know what's so exciting? Oh, my goodness. We're able to obey. It's a special privilege. We were able to love him. Through obedience because of what he did. Like, if it was us and somebody did us wrong, we would be like, poop, bye. You messed up on me the first time? Okay, shame on you. The second time, shame on me. There ain't gonna be no third time. Right. But he did nothing wrong. And we forget that he did nothing wrong. We did something wrong. And because of his love and his mercy and his grace, now we're able to do what he requires of us to serve him. You got to get what I'm saying. Because of him, 
were able to obey him. That's the only reason. Because of Jesus and what he did on the cross. And the promise that he left us with Holy Spirit. Now I'm able to obey him. Not because I want to get to heaven. But because he paid the price so that I can go to heaven. Right. Yo, I'm telling you, we got some serious comments here. Let's say, um, yo sé que fue la sangre lo que me libró a mí y a mi familia. I know that it was the blood that freed me and my family. Hallelujah. We are just privileged for what he did on the cross. Amen. I thank him for what he has done. Hallelujah. And no one deserves that glory and the honor but him. Amen. Nobody. Nobody but Jesus. Let me tell you. I've been saved for a very long time and I've messed up and because of his grace and his mercy he has still forgiven me and given me the ability to once again walk in obedience and it's just mind blowing still after all this time when I really think about it it blows my mind it really blows my mind because if it's not for him, we wouldn't be able to do this. We wouldn't be able to do anything. And that's that's really something. And I think that we've we've said a mouthful. Yeah. I think that this is a real good place to stop. I mean, I'm really, really encouraged. Like, I really am right now. His love for us is so, bro. I don't need to understand. I don't need to know it all. I don't need to be accepted. I don't need to be, you know, whatever it is that people think that you require or that's required of you. All I know is that we have been accepted and restored to our father just because it pleased him. And he didn't look at me for me because, Lord, if he was looking at me, my butt be grass right now. I'd be done. Straight done. Okay, Mike, my bad. Go. I have nothing. Yeah, that just... There's there's nothing left for me to say. When I talk about Jesus in that way, it just leaves me just like you. Just in awe. Just in straight awe. And I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but hallelujah anyway. The Holy Spirit will reveal it. Oh, and I wanted to say this. Whoever's on right now... If you have some suggestions, we're open to suggestions, aren't we? Well, yeah. We're definitely open to suggestions. Someone we invite said, them, actually. Aquí el importante Jesucristo nadema. Here, who's most important is Jesus. Nobody else. Amen. But definitely, we are open to suggestions. If there's something that you would like to hear us, you know, talk about and that you would like to, you know, Suggest we're definitely open. So, yeah, God, God has done the work that we have the ability to obey him now. Amen. And then he's saying, if you love me, you will obey me. And it's not really that you have the option. It's just that that's what his love produces. Like an apple tree doesn't have no option but to become an apple. That's really good. Like, that's just what it is. So if you love God. If you, in other words, if you have been saved and you realize the salvation that he has given you, if you look back on your Egypt 
and seeing what he's rescued you from, then the fruit of that is obedience to what the new covenant is, which is to love him, to love others with all your heart, with your mind and with your soul and to serve him with everything that you got. Make disciples of all the nations and teach them to obey everything that he has commanded. So the fruit of salvation is obedience. The fruit of righteousness is holiness. The covenant is revealed, is given to. The covenant is established and the law, which makes us holy in the land, the law comes that we may produce holiness. So it's just, it's just one thing produces the other, one after the other. So if at any point you see that there's something not being produced, then you have to go back to the previous thing and say, okay, he has made me righteous, but I can't, I'm, I'm not living this holy life in him. The life that I'm living is not producing the fruit that he said it should produce. Then we go and say, okay, why? Lord, cleanse me, free me. And he started, I love how he started John 14. He's just simply saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So that's the, right before he talks about. That's the precursor? Yeah, right, uh, right before he talks about the new covenant, he's just saying, listen, the basis of it is if you have been saved, if you have been set free, but if you have not been, then all this is not for you. But if you have been that and saved and I, and I did hold you on my wings like eagles and I did draw you back to myself. This is the natural outcome of that. You will obey me. So if you do not live a life of obedience to the father, then go back and say, Lord, my heart is troubled. My heart is troubled because I see my life is not in alignment with you, with what you're saying the fruit should be. So now I believe in you, father. But you said my greatest work is to believe on you, the one, the one that you have sent, which is Jesus. Help me believe in him. Open my eyes. Reveal to me. Just you did it for Paul. Do it for me. You did it to the Gentiles. You did it. You did it for the Romans. You did it for the, the Ethiopians. You did it for so many people who did not even know you. I don't know you either. Do that for me as well. And, and that's, that's where, that's what I, I want to help us understand that this is just the natural next step in serving God is obedience to him. It's, it's just a, it's just a normal flow of how, of how God, of how God moves. And about what he told them in Egypt, he said, I, it's me that brought you to myself. I, I did it. So he didn't even, he knew that we will be challenged and we will be troubled. So let me just let you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be the one that brings you to myself. That's what he's saying. You have, you yourselves have seen what I have done in Egypt. In other words, if you don't, if you don't feel the desire to do obey the Lord and obey what he has commanded, then you have not seen yet what God has done. You have not seen the cross. He has not revealed the cross to you yet. And so if you can't obey the Lord, he's saying it's not have been, it has not been yet revealed to you. So then just ask, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Like, show me, save me, like do it for me, like, because it's on him. And it's just like the, the kid who was throwing himself in the fire. And the father said, Lord, if you're willing. And he said, I am willing. I am willing. And that's what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I am willing. While you're here, while you're, while you have an opportunity, while you're alive before he, he hasn't come for his church yet. And so while we are here, we still have the opportunity to say, Lord, reveal yourself to me. 
Because just believing on the Lord is not in our own ability. It's it's in it's in the revelation of who he is. It's not because they wouldn't have been able to say, Lord, you are my deliverer if they weren't set free from Egypt. They're able to say, Lord, you're my deliverer because they were because they were set free from Egypt. But then he says, then there there's things that the laws of Moses would not have been able to save you from. But now you have complete freedom because you believe in Jesus. So now that's our word. That's the word for us today is that you have complete freedom now because you believe in Jesus. And because you believe in Jesus, you love him. And because you love him, you will obey him. You will uphold the new covenant that he's established with you through the blood of the cross. Amen. So, Amen. Hallelujah. So we're really going to end it there. But again, when you start talking about Jesus in that way, it just it just stirs something up on the inside. Amen. But um, yeah, we're, we're going to. Seriously, end it here. We're not gonna do the the, the preacher thing. The church, the church thing. We we're we're out of here. Yeah, we're we're done. We're done. This is the last thing. We're done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I so know. I just thank you for joining TJFJ today. Thank God I follow Jesus, where we encourage, inspire, and challenge you to deepen your walk with the the rock of our salvation. And if this helped you in any way, just please share it with somebody. Comment, like, and subscribe to our page. We have a YouTube channel. We have, we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook. So open it up, share it. And every day we're putting up there something encouraging that will challenge you and deepen your walk with him. So. And if you just in, um, please listen to it. My suggestion always is mm-hmm. this works for me. Check it out on YouTube. You could hit that little settings thing and put it a little bit faster. So if we were here an hour, an hour and a half, it'll be a fraction of that. Right. And you get the word and you get it quickly. So I encourage you to do that and have a great week. Peace.